Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. Thank you for this another opportunity to minister to your people tonight. We rejoice that we have access into the deep things of God by the Holy Spirit. Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Father we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. And we thank you that revealed knowledge is granted your people all over the nations of the world. And as we study the word together tonight, veils fall off, veils fall off. Clarity comes by the Holy Spirit. Clarity comes by the Holy Spirit. Minds illuminated, hearts illuminated, thoughts corrected, mindsets corrected. Jesus glorified the body, edified, everyone built up and equipped. And we rejoice for the privilege that we have tonight. We give you praise and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer says a powerful amen. Glory to God. All right, lift your right hands to heaven tonight. Let's release our feet together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore, today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says that amen like thunder. Oh my goodness, we want to welcome every one of you connected to this broadcast all over the world. All of you watching on Facebook, YouTube, Kingdom Life Network and all the various platforms. Our campuses, all of our house centers within the city. We're glad to have everybody connected to the service tonight. And I tell you guys, you get ready. We're going to have a great time of studying the word of his grace. And it's a joy to have everybody connected. And I'm just excited. Can somebody shout a powerful amen? Alright, we've been looking at a teaching series on the misunderstood God. The misunderstood God. And it's such a wonderful time we've had in the last few days and we're going to have in the next few days. Help me invite a friend. Help me invite a family. Help me invite somebody. Tag somebody. Share the broadcast on your pages, on your platforms. Create watch parties. Let's flood the earth with the truth concerning the single identity of God Almighty. 
We began to look at James chapter 1 verse 16. James chapter 1 verse number 16. James chapter 1 verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not err, my beloved brethren. We said the word err is the Greek word planao. Planao. P-L-A-N-A-O. Planao. That is, don't be misled or don't be led astray. And we found out that the misleading will come from the presentation of God in man or through man. And we looked at the man called it by the name Job in Job chapter 42 verse 5. Job chapter 42 verse number 5. Job 42 5. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye seeth thee. And we said that Job was a man. And it's good to know that the people we quote in scriptures are men. In other words, Brother Job's perception of God was by the facts he gathered around. He collated facts from men, from circumstances, from situations. And he used all the facts he gathered around to form his own perception of God. And he didn't just stop at forming his own perception of God. He boldly and confidently communicated it to everybody that will care to listen to him. So, Job was responsible for spreading his rumor concerning God around like one who knew what he was talking about. That same Job chapter 42 verse 5, give me the message translation of Job chapter 42 verse 5. The message translation. I admit I once lived by rumors of you. I once lived by rumors of you. But now I have all, I have it all first hand from my own eyes and my own ears. So Job admitted that the things he was teaching were based on rumors. Things his mother told him, things people told him around, all of that put together formed his own perception of God. But brother James says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not get into error or be led astray. So we're examining a few things tonight that will help us not to err or not to be led astray. Yesterday we took quite some trip. We looked at the first time the word wrath ever appeared. Because sometimes people, you know, say it's because God is angry. That is punishing the world with viruses and diseases and calamities and earthquakes and disasters. In fact, the legal system has come to a conclusion that when there are natural disasters, it is the act of God. So God's character has been mutilated. God's character has been assassinated by men's perception of God who never really know God. So let's begin our journey tonight by examining a brother called Noah. A brother called Noah. Now, we said that the first scenario of physical death was in a man killing the other. And that was the account of Cain and Abel. We took time to do quite some work from there yesterday. Secondly, we want to look at the story of the flood. The story of the flood. The book of Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Genesis 6 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Please pay attention. 
Now, before we say Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord, you will read something that looks like God was very restless. And that is in Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 to 4. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 to 4. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. Verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they brought children to them, the same became mighty men which which were of old, men of renown. So now he says, his spirit will not always strive with man. So it gives you an impression of a restless God. Now the man here, is it Noah? I mean the man that God is saying his spirit will not always strive with. Is it Noah or the man that were living on earth? Is it Noah or the man that were living on earth? Keep that somewhere because we will look at that in a few minutes. Who is going to man to convince man? Who is going to man to convince man in the days of Noah? Of course, it was Noah. So Noah preached for 120 years. Noah preached for 120 years. So the striving of the spirit is with Noah. My spirit shall not always strive with man. The striving of the spirit is with Noah. Because the 120 years is not the limitation of the spirit. It is the limitation of man. It is same way today. The salvation of men are committed to men. The writers who were writing here were writing history. So the first question, who determined when the rain fell? Who determined when the rain fell? Let us go from history to revelation. Who was the person who determined when the rain in the flood of Noah fell? Go back again to Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Genesis chapter 6 verse number 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The word eyes is the Greek, I mean the Hebrew word ayin. A-Y-I-N. In the Hebrew. And that word, we're going to see how that word is used. The word eyes. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The word eyes is a Hebrew word ayin. A-Y-I-N. We see that word used in Genesis chapter 3 verse 5. Genesis chapter 3 verse number 5. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So the first usage of the eyes there is knowledge to see. Then look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. And when the woman saw, Ayin, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. The woman saw. Look at Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. Genesis chapter 3 verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. And made themselves aprons. And the eyes, the eyeing. Alright, so ayin is the word for eyes or saw. 
Look at Genesis chapter 13 verse 10. Genesis chapter 13 verse 10. We are doing exegesis on the word saw or the word eyes. Abraham, I mean Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The word eyes. Genesis 13 verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as that comes unto Zohar. Lord lifted up his eyes. Now go back to Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Genesis 6 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes, meaning Noah found grace in what he saw. Noah found grace in what God saw. Noah found grace in what God saw. Now the next word there is found. Noah found. The word found is the word to discover. It's a Hebrew word matzah. M-A-T-S-A. Matzah in Hebrew. The word found is the word matzah in Hebrew. You will see that word in Genesis chapter 2 verse 20. Genesis chapter 2 verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. For Adam there was not found an help. The word found. That is among all of the animal none was fit for him. So there was a search. There was a search. Look at Genesis chapter 4 verse 14. Genesis chapter 4 verse number 14. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me, the word findeth, matzah, everyone that findeth me shall slay me, everyone that discovers me, everyone that discovers me. Look at Genesis chapter 4 verse 15. Genesis chapter 4 verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him, the word matzah, finding him, should kill him. Look at Genesis again, chapter 8, verse 9. Genesis chapter 8, verse 9. A lot of scriptures, good for your health. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet. The dove found no rest for the sole of her feet. And she returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her. And pulled her in unto him into the ark. Into the ark. Found no rest. Go back again to Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah discovered what? The word found is the word discovered. Noah discovered grace. Noah discovered grace in the eyes of the Lord. So who made the discovery? Noah. Noah made the discovery. Was that grace part of God or that was Noah's discovery of, of God? Was that grace part of God or that was Noah's discovery of God. 
because to have found grace in the eyes of the Lord was evident then. That, that is, it was going to happen to man was not God's character. Because what Noah found in God was grace. What Noah discovered about God was grace. So whatever was not grace that was going to happen to man was not a part of God. Whatever was not grace that was going to happen to man was not a part of God's character. He found grace. That will mean that Noah discovered who God was. Noah discovered who God was. And his discovery of God was that God was grace. That was his discovery, meaning he found grace in God. He found grace in God. And this built the preaching ministry of Noah. This built the preaching ministry of Noah. So Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. Genesis chapter 6 verse number 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So this hundred and twenty years was Noah's ministry. So Noah's ministry was hundred and twenty years. And the question now will be, what was Noah preaching for hundred and twenty years? What was Noah preaching for 120 years? He found grace in God. So Noah was preaching grace for 120 years. He was preaching the loving kindness of God. He was preaching the mercy of God for 120 years. Noah wasn't actually a correct guy like that. He wasn't because when you read the history of Noah, you will see that Noah got angry and cursed all his children. He used to curse people. You know, he even cursed his own very children. So he wasn't really a good guy. But he found grace in God and preached the grace of God for 120 years. Come with me to 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person. A preacher of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness. Bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Please pay attention. Bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Look at verse 6. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. Condemned them with an overthrow. Making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. Look at what Peter wrote before of these incidents. In 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 to 19. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 to 19. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Give me verse 19. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. He went and preached into the, unto the spirits in prison. The question is, who went and preached to the spirits in prison? It was Noah. Because look at verse 20 of First Peter chapter 3, verse 20. 
which sometimes we are disobedient. When once the long suffering of God waited, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. That means he preached before the people disobeyed. Noah preached the grace of God to the people. The spirits in prison means to the people that were not saved. He preached to them the message of the grace of God. And they disobeyed the message. Of course, the disobedience is upon preaching. The disobedience is not before the preaching. The disobedience is upon preaching. Jesus didn't preach. Three days and three nights he suffered. He was not preaching in hell. He was suffering. Remember the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will follow. So preaching there has to be Noah. The ministry of Noah for 120 years. And the people were disobedient. This disobedience is not conduct. This disobedience is their response to the message. Their response to the message. Their response to the message. The word disobedience is the Greek word apetho. A-P-E-I-T-H-O. Apetho. Disobedience to the message. Disobedience or a response of non-compliance with the message. Apetho. A-P-E-I-T-H-O in the Greek. Let us see where it is used. That word apetho. John chapter 3 verse 36. John chapter 3 verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth in him. Shall not see life. He that believeth not. He that believeth not is the word apeto. He that does not yield. He that does not comply shall not see life, but the wrath of God abided in him. Look at First Peter chapter 3 verse 18. First Peter chapter 3 verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So he is talking about those that did not believe. Look at Acts chapter 14 verse 2. Acts 14 verse 2. Talking about the unbelieving Jews. But the unbelieving Jews teared up the Gentiles. And made their minds evil. Affected against the brethren. The unbelieving Jews. Used for a consistent. Consistent approach. To a message. A consistent approach to a message that now becomes a conduct. They resisted the message until it now becomes their conduct. Look at Acts chapter 19 verse 9. Acts chapter 19 verse 9. But when divers were hardened and believed not, and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude. He departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. Look at Romans chapter 2 verse 8. Romans chapter 2 verse 8. 
But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. They are rebellious to the gospel. Romans chapter 10 verse 21. Romans chapter 10 verse 21. But to Israel he saith, all day long have I, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient, unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Romans chapter 11 verse 31. You are still looking at the word apetho. Romans 11 31. Even so have this also now not believed. That through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. Romans chapter 15 verse 31. Lot of scriptures good for your health. Romans 15 31. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. Them that do not believe in Judea. That my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. Them that do not believe. Them that do not believe. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 18. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 18. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest. But to them that believed not. So what has been the focus of this not believing? What has been the focus of this not believing? What are they not believing? The gospel. They are not believing the gospel. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 31. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. She was a harlot but she didn't perish with them that believed not. When she had received the spies with peace. Look at First Peter chapter 2 verse 8. First Peter chapter 2 verse 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word. Being disobedient. Being disobedient. Whereunto also they were appointed. First Peter chapter 1 verse 25. First Peter chapter 1 verse 25. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. First Peter chapter 2 verse 8. First Peter chapter 2 verse 8. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient. First Peter chapter 3 verse 1. A lot of scriptures good for your health. First Peter chapter 3 verse 1. Likewise, you wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of their wives without the word. First Peter chapter 3 verse 20. First Peter chapter 3 verse 20. Which sometimes we are disobedient. They did not obey the gospel. Which sometimes we are disobedient. They did not believe the gospel. When once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Look at First Peter chapter 4 verse 17. First Peter chapter 4 verse 17. 
For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So listen carefully. What was Noah preaching? We established that Noah was preaching grace. What he was preaching was his discovery about God. And what he discovered about God was good news. The loving kindness, the mercy, and the grace of God. Now whatever was the role of God in the flood. Whatever was the role of God in the flood of Noah. Today will be called the gospel. That is the only role that God played in the flood of Noah. Was making the gospel available to the people. And from what we saw, the people disobeyed the gospel. Alright? So God's role was to make the gospel available. That is, God was to be believed. God was to be believed. Because what many people thought was that God was going to destroy the earth. And Noah was warning the people. That's what we always thought. Noah was warning the people, God is going to destroy the earth. God is going to destroy the earth. That wouldn't be good news. That wouldn't be the gospel. That wouldn't be the gospel. The gospel is good news. It was God wants to save you. That's the good news. God wants to save you. And he preached it patiently for 120 years the message of the grace of God, the good news of the loving kindness of God. You know, my brothers, the Calvinists will say that they are the elect. So we ask them, why are you the elect? They say, because they are saved. So we now ask them, how do you know? He say, because the elect are known only when they are saved. And then we ask them, what about the unelect? Are not elect if they are not saved. That's what they answer. So we now say to them, so how will you know that the unelect are not saved? And then they will answer at the very end. You know, those guys are very funny, the Calvinists. Alright, so now look at First Peter chapter 3 verse 18. First Peter chapter 3 verse 18. For Christ alone has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Take note of the word sometime. Put that scripture again. Take note of the word for just the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened in the spirit. Give me the next verse. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. That word sometime is the Greek word pote. P-O-R-T-E. Porte means before now. Long time ago. What will be that long time ago? 120 years. When once the long suffering of God waited. The word waited. When sometimes the long suffering of God waited. That word long time is before now. 120 years ago, the long suffering of God waited. 
The word waited is the Greek word apekecho. A-P-E-K-D-E-C-H-O. Is used eight times for an anticipation. Waited means anticipation. So what was God anticipating? Disaster or the fate of the people in the world of Noah? Obviously, the fate of the people in the world of Noah. God anticipated that when Noah took to them the good news of the grace of God which he discovered, they will believe. So God was in anticipation that the people will believe the good news of the gospel. Let's see the usage of that word. Romans chapter 8 verse 19. Romans chapter 8 verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. They wait for, they wait for, that's the word, they wait for. Romans 8.23 Romans 8.23 And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. The redemption of, they waited for the redemption of our body. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7 First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7. It says, so that you come not behind in no gift, waiting, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you discovered that whatever was being waited for was help? Whatever was being waited for was deliverance. They were waiting for the manifestation. They were waiting for help. They were waiting for salvation. They were waiting for deliverance. Galatians chapter 5 verse 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 5. For we through the spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. We wait for the hope of righteousness. Wait. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. Philippians Chapter 3, verse number 20. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. From whence also we look for, we look for, to look for, or to look forward to some, please pay attention, don't let nobody distract you. To look forward to something or for something. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Without sin unto salvation. So what was that long suffering waiting for? The long suffering of our God that waited in the day of Noah. What was that long suffering waiting for? It was waiting for their faith in the gospel. It was waiting for their faith in the gospel. Why were they called ungodly in the day of Noah? They were called ungodly because of their persistent disobedience to the gospel. Because of their persistent disobedience to the gospel. 
because of their persistent disobedience to the gospel. There is another word I want us to look at is the word long suffering. When once the long suffering, when once the long suffering is the Greek word makrotumai, makrotumai, the Greek word makrotumai, long suffering, long suffering, makrotumai. Look at that word, long-suffering. The use of the word long-suffering in Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Please pay attention. Don't be distracted. Or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The long-suffering is God's character. Is God's character. It's not the good side of God. That is the only character of God. That God is long suffering towards the sinner. So God was long suffering in the days of Noah. And it is the long suffering of God that leads men to repentance. Look at Romans chapter 9 verse 22. Romans chapter 9 verse 22. What if God... Willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Look at Second Corinthians chapter six, verse six. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse six. By pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost. By love unfeigned. That's brother Paul talking now. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Long suffering. That's very critical. Long suffering. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. Now give me Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness. With long suffering. Forbearing one another in love. Please pay attention. With long suffering. Colossians chapter 1 verse 11. Colossians chapter 1 verse 11. Strengthen with might or with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Please pay attention. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Set your affections on things above, not on the things on the earth. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 10. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 10. Watch this one carefully. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, charity with patience. We are doing exegesis on the word long suffering or Makrotumai. Look at Second Timothy chapter four verse two. Second Timothy chapter four verse number two. Preach the word. Be instant in season, 
out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. With all long suffering and doctrine. Pay attention to this particular one. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So all we have read so far is in God's character or in our character. Now come back with me to James chapter 5 verse 10. James chapter 5 verse 10. Please pay attention. Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Come with me to 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. The long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So the long suffering of our Lord in the days of Noah, the long suffering, when was the long suffering of God? The long suffering of our God is salvation. Now, so let's see what it means in Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The word willing there is the same word bulomai. Bulomai, B U L U O M A I. A decision that cannot change. Not willing, not bulomai, that any soul should perish. So while the flood was on, it was not the will of God for anybody to perish. While the flood of Noah was on, it was not the will of God for anybody to perish. So the will of God is not the flood. Because the flood is destroyed. But the will of God is that every soul should be saved. And God is long-suffering. So the flood is not from God. Because what is from God is his will. And the will of God is that God is not slack concerning his promise. But is long-suffering, not willing that any soul should perish. An account that the long-suffering of our God is salvation. The long-suffering of our God is salvation. Please pay attention. So in the flood of Noah, what was the will of God? Salvation. So in Noah's days, where did death come from? Where did death come from? We have seen from James and from Brother Paul in Romans chapter 5 that death came by man. 
and sin came by man. Death came by man. For as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted of evil, neither tempted he every man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. When lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So do not err, my beloved brethren. So, death and sin came by man. The next question is, who killed Abel? Man. The Bible tells us Cain was of the wicked one. Cain was of the wicked one. If you read carefully in Genesis chapter 4, you won't see the wicked one there. You will just think it was two brothers that were arguing and one brother got angry and stood up and killed his other brother. But the Bible tells us that Cain was of the wicked one. You will not see Satan in Genesis. You will only see Cain. But by the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth takes away the veil and we see the wicked one. Just like you saw the serpent in Eden. And the serpent, by the spirit of truth taking away the veil, the serpent is the devil. The old serpent. Revelation chapter 20 verse 2. Revelation chapter 20 verse 2. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. The old serpent which is the devil and Satan. Look at Revelation 12, 9. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So the devil is the serpent but in the Old Testament, serpent was used as a metaphor for Satan. Just like Cain killed Abel, but we see it was the devil in Cain that killed Abel. Because the devil was a murderer from the beginning. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Next verse. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage all their lifetime. So the devil had the power of death. So the devil was behind the scene killing in the Old Testament. The victory of Jesus over Satan amazes men all the time. Because men think that for God to be powerful, he will have to be muscular and destructive. That is the wisdom of man. But the power of God is weakness to the natural man. The power of God is weakness 
what we call the power of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 23. 1 Corinthians 1.23 But we preach Christ crucified. Christ, that is, the power of God is made manifest in the crucifixion of Christ. Which unto the Jews is a stumbling block and unto the Greeks is foolishness. Power is weakness. In the natural, for you to be said you have power, you must be very destructive. Somebody talks to you anyhow, you grab the collar of his shirt, you lift him up and hit on the floor. That's power. In the natural, when we say man is powerful, it means you can use your hand and break the windscreen of a car. Yeah, that's power. But when it comes to revelation knowledge, where God is concerned, God's power is weakness to the natural man. God's power is a stumbling block to the Jews and is foolishness to the Greeks. But to us that are saved, God's power, God's power is manifested in his dead burial and resurrection. So in Noah's days, where did death come from? Death came from the judgment of sin. From the judgment of sin. After the gospel was presented to them for 120 years. And they resisted the gospel. They hardened their heart. They refused the good news of the gospel. They yielded to sin. And by sin came death. By sin came death. Look at Jesus' commentary on the days of Noah. Luke 24, 36. Luke 24, 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Next verse. But they were terrified they were did i say look please matthew 24 36 matthew 24 not luke matthew 24 but of that day and hour knoweth no man no not the angels of heaven but my father only that is seven but as the days of noah were so shall also the coming of the son of man be Next verse. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. I have an important question for all of you. Who is the ark? Is Jesus the ark or the flood? Is Jesus the ark or the flood? Which one is Jesus? Or is he both of them, ark and flood? Of course, he can't be two of them. So which one is Jesus? The ark or the flood? Of course, he's the ark. Jesus is the ark. So that means if Jesus is the ark, then the flood was not from God. The flood was not from God. That ark was a metaphor of Jesus. 
Look at verse 39 of Matthew 24. 39 of Matthew 24. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So, in the days of Noah, there was no law. Alright? In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. By faith, Noah. Look at me everybody. By faith, Noah. What is faith? Substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So, by the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. It was Noah who prepared the ark, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So in another commentary, Noah was preaching the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In that verse 7, there is a word I want us to work on, is the word warned of God. Warned of God. If your Bible is mine, I will underline it. By faith, Noah, being warned of God. I will underline that. That word warning is a Greek word, krematizo. Krematizo. C-R-R-E-M-A-T-I-Z-O. Krematizo. Let's see where that word, wand of God, krematizo, where that word is used. Matthew 2.12. Matthew 2.12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Being warned of God. Matthew 2.22. Matthew 2.22 But when he heard that Achilles did reign in Judea Herod in the room of his father Herod he was afraid to go thither notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream warned, warned of God in a dream he turned aside into the parts of Galilee Primatizo warned of God in a dream Acts 10, 22. Acts chapter 10, verse 22. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feared God, and of good report, among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house, and to hear words of thee. Warned of God, Cornelius. That same word, krematizo, which is warned, we'll see how it is used in Acts 11.26. Acts 11.26. But when he had...
But when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people and his disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. The word called. Called Christians. They were called Christians. They were called Christians. Romans 7.3 Romans chapter 7 verse 3. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called. The word wand of God is the same word called krimatizo. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. Pay attention because of the technicality of what I'm teaching. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see saith he that thou make all things according to the pattern showed unto thee on the mount. The word see. The word see is the word warned of God. Acts 12.25 Acts 12.25 And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem where they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John whose surname was Mark. So the word there is to reveal or to show something. So Hebrews 11.7, let's apply it. Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith Noah, being revealed of God of things he couldn't see. Did you see that? By faith Noah, being revealed of God of things he couldn't see, moved with fear. So what did God reveal to Noah? The flood or Christ. What did God reveal to Noah? Christ. Okay. God revealed Christ to Noah. Question. Did Noah eventually die? Of course, yes. So the end product of all that Noah preached and did was still in what Christ will do. In what Christ will do. Look at Hebrews 11.7 again. Hebrews 11.7 By faith Noah being revealed of God of things he couldn't see moved. The word moved. Moved with fear. Moved with fear. That word moved with fear is the Greek word eulabeloma. It's spelled as E-U-L-A-B-E-L-O-M-A. Eulabeloma. That is, he moved with fear means he was cautious. He was cautious. Put up that Hebrews 11.7. Now let me apply it. By the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Noah being revealed of God of things he couldn't see was cautious, prepared an ark. 
He was cautious, prepared an ark. He was being cautious, then he built an ark. That means, pay attention, God never asked Noah to build an ark. Write that somewhere and circle it. We're going to look at it in the course of this series. God never told Noah to build an ark. Write it and circle it. Go back to verse 7 again. By faith Noah, by faith Noah, I'm applying the interpretation. Be revealed of God of things he couldn't see. He was cautious. Then he prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world. Let's walk on the word condemned. Let's walk on the word condemned. The word condemned is the word katakrino. Katakrino. That is Noah's righteousness is by faith. So, if Noah's righteousness is not morality, if Noah's righteousness was not a set of do's and don'ts, if Noah's righteousness was by faith, how did Noah condemn the world? Because Noah condemned the world. So how did he condemn the world? Observe carefully. John 3.17 John 3.17 For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 18. Now pay attention. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. How did Noah condemn the world? He condemned the world by presenting the gospel to them. When they rejected the gospel Noah presented. Their rejection was their condemnation. Their rejection was their refusal to accept the gospel. So because of Noah's preaching, they were called disobedient. Because of Noah's preaching, they were called disobedient. So, was Noah's message the flood or the gospel? Think about it. Alright? The gospel. One more. One more case we want to examine. Abraham in Sodom. Abraham in Sodom. So obviously, we have clearly exonerated God from being the one behind the flood that destroyed the world of Noah. The only role God played in the world of Noah was to reveal to Noah his grace. And Noah went with the grace of God and preached it to the people of his world. After 120 years of long suffering from God, anticipating their salvation, they rejected the gospel. By the preaching of Noah, they were condemned. 
And in their sinful state, their sin brought on them the repercussion of sin, which is death. Alright, clear. Come with me to Genesis chapter 18 verse 23. We are looking for the wrath of God. And so far, we have not seen the wrath of God. Alright? Now come with me to Genesis 18, 23. And Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? We are looking for where God displayed reaction. That's what we are looking for. We to address it. It goes reaction to a man's sin. Where God's eyes are so red. Because God is angry. I the Lord am angry. <laughs> We're looking for that place. Where God displayed his anger. His wrath. Alright. So we're taking time to look at it. Genesis 18.23. Again. And Abraham drew near and said. Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked. Now, take note of that word, the righteous. Let's work on it. The righteous. When Abraham said, God, will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Was he talking about morality? Was Abraham talking about morality? Because remember, they had no moral code. It was easy to have a moral code after Moses came. But this was long, long before Moses. There was no moral code. There was no yardstick for saying this is wrong or this is right. There was no yardstick to measure morality or righteousness. But at this point, what was the measurement? It's just like Joseph did not sleep with Potiphar's wife. There was no law to tell Joseph that sleeping with Potiphar's wife was a sin. There was no such law. All he was doing was responding to a consciousness of sin. Look at Romans chapter 2 verse 12 quickly. This is just to help you with additional information. Romans chapter 2 verse 12. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God. But the doers of the law shall be justified. 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, this, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Next verse. Which show the work of the law, written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness that their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. That means within the heart of a man that is not born again is a consciousness of sin. Is a consciousness of sin. So question, on what basis was Abraham saying, will you destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? Who was righteous and who was unrighteous? All of them were the same. The basis of Abraham using the word righteous will be Genesis 15.6. Genesis 15.6. 
And he believed in the Lord. And he counted it to him for righteousness. So it's not conduct. It's not conduct. So what was God looking for in Sodom? God was not looking for conduct, morality, good lifestyle. No, he was looking for Sodom's faith in Christ or faith in the gospel. Just like it was in the day of Noah. Just like it is today. It has always been the same standard from the beginning till the end. Faith in Christ. Now, so who will be the wicked in Abraham's prayer for Sodom and Gomorrah? Who will be the wicked? The wicked will be those who does not believe the gospel. The righteous will be those who believe the gospel. That was the yardstick for destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah condemned his world by preaching the gospel they rejected. Same thing with the world of Noah. The gospel was preached to them and they rejected the gospel. Many years, Lot was in Sodom preaching the gospel. And then somebody says, but is it no homosexuality that destroyed the world of Sodom? Well, I didn't see that in my Bible. I'm not saying homosexuality is not a sin, but it was not homosexuality that destroyed the world of Noah. I mean, the world of Sodom. It was their disbelief for the gospel. They didn't have faith in the gospel. And I did exegesis on homosexuality and the world of Sodom in Soteria season 6. If you want clarity, you can get that full teaching there in Soteria season 6. It's about 35 hours of teaching. So the gospel is one to all. Same gospel to Sodom. Same gospel to the world of Noah. Same gospel today to, to men on earth. So in all of these, we are yet to see the anger of God. All we have seen is the grace, the mercy, the gospel, righteousness by faith. John 5.31 John chapter 5 verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. We're reading till verse 40. Verse 2. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth is of me is true. You sent unto John, and he bore witness unto the truth. Please pay attention. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that he might be saved. Next verse. He was a burning and a shining light. Talking about John the Baptist. And you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. Next verse. But I have greater witness than that of John. I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father had given me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness of me. That the Father has sent me. Next verse. And the Father himself which has sent me had borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Next verse. And you have not his word abiding in you, for whom he has sent, whom you believe not. Next verse. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. Next verse. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Pay attention. So, the scriptures were written by men. So, the testimony of God will be found in man. The testimony of God, because the scriptures are written by men. So, the testimony of God will be found in a man. Pay attention. 
That same John chapter 5 verse 41. John 5 41. I receive not honor from men. 42. But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. 43. I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. 44. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Next verse. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Next verse. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. Next verse. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? The word accuse, there is one that accuses you. The word accuse is the word kategorio in the Greek. Kategorio. Kategorio. He said, he came in his own name. Look at that 46 and 47 again. Please pay attention. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my word? So Moses wrote two things. Moses wrote two things. He wrote life and he wrote death. In the writings of Moses, you will see two things. Accusation and Christ. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. If you have believed Moses, you will have believed me. For he wrote of me. So two things. He wrote accusation and he wrote Christ. Life and death in the writings of Moses. So Moses presented the gospel. He gave them the law when they rejected the gospel. That's why he will say to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, you can't find death unless life is absent. Death is the absence of life. So Jesus will not accuse. Write that down. Jesus will not accuse. One more time. Jesus will not accuse. Come with me to James chapter 1 verse 5. James 1 5. As I begin to run towards rounding up. James 1 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. James is presenting to you clarity of scriptures. So in the writings of Moses, we will find two witnesses. One will accuse. One will save. The one that accuses is not Jesus' testimony. The one that saves is Jesus' testimony. 
But you will read the two of them in the scriptures. So, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. So James is presenting to you clarity of the scriptures. That there is clarity. Rather than see that God has two sides, what you should see is that Moses wrote two things. Accusation and Christ. James calls it the wrath of man. Not the wrath of God. The wrath of man. The wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Moses, because of the hardness of their hearts. That's why we say the law walketh wrath. The law walketh wrath. So you will see the wrath of man and the promise of God sandwiched in the same scriptures. The wrath of man and the promise of God. Hence, the need to autotomio, to rightly divide. That's why he said, did you hear any voice in John chapter 5? Did you hear any voice? They said no. Did you see any shape? They said no. Then he asked them, who is the person who wrote it? They answered Moses. Then he said to them, he is the one that accuses you. It is Moses that wrote all the things you read. And whenever you see accusation, it is Moses. Then Jesus said, but the same scriptures that Moses wrote accusation in, they testify of me. Glory to God. The same scriptures that Moses wrote accusation in, they testify of me. So James says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. So James now describes that God that that God gives to all men liberally and does not find fault. It's the Greek word onoidizo. Onoidizo. He does not find fault. He only corrects men. He doesn't find fault. He only corrects where we saw the word abrade. And we did some work on that word abrade. Abrade actually is not insult is supposed to be he corrected. Even when they displayed unbelief he showed them from the scriptures he corrected them and straightened them out. He did not find fault. He corrected. Jesus did not respond to their attitude of unbelief with punishment. Rather he responded to their attitude with correction. He took them through the scriptures. I mean, look at it. He said to them, Oh fool, slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. If he had stopped there, it would have been fault finding. But look at it, correction. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded diharmonia unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He went on. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms concerning me. I mean, friends, listen carefully. God does not overlook sin. But he does not insult. And he does not take revenge. He corrects. God corrects. I mean, look at Thomas. 
Thomas said, I will not believe. I will not believe till, he, till I touch his hand. Jesus said, Thomas, come and touch my hand. He didn't get angry and say, you idiot Thomas, with all the things you've read about me, you're still doubting. Die. No, no. He corrected him. He took the scriptures and used the scriptures to cure him of unbelief. He appears to them again in the water and he gave them food. They ate and he corrected them. Jesus, you know, if you read the, the scripture, it says Jesus flogged people out of the temple. People have asked me that question. Dr. Damina, why did Jesus use a whip to beat people out of the temple? He never flogged anybody in the temple. We will see it tomorrow. He never flogged. It's the same thing when he spoke to the tree. The translators of King James wrote, he caused the tree. He never caused the tree. He spoke. That's the way it is. He spoke to the tree. But if you find out that these people's vocabulary is saturated with wrath, they can't say the right things. God doesn't find faults. God does not, you know, um, he does not find fault. He does not insult. He only corrects. So James says, let him act in faith, not in wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea. Let who acts in faith, faith, you that is asking, must act in faith, what faith? Faith in a God that doesn't find fault. You must have faith in a God that never finds fault. You must not pray with an idea of a fault-finding God. Let him ask in faith, not in wavering. Wavering from what? Not in wavering from who God is. Don't have a double mind concerning God. You must be single minded to know that God will not find fault. He is generous and he is single minded towards you. And he says, if a man is double minded, let not that man think that he will receive anything from God. And that's why many people receive nothing from God. I didn't say God doesn't give to them. I said they do not receive because they have been paralyzed in their minds to think that God is a God of a double standard. And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and cannot receive anything from the, the Lord. Now look at it. James now left prayer. James left prayer. And he says God does not make demands before he gives. He gives to all men liberally. Generously. Generously. Jesus never acted before people, you know, believed. He acted. Then when people found out what he has done, they believed and received. They believed and received. God doesn't need faith from you to give. God, God doesn't need faith from you to get something to you. You need faith. To receive. What God has given. By grace. God doesn't need faith. You need faith. Let him ask in faith. 
nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He will act that way when he's double-minded about God. When he believes that God is vengeful, when he believes that God is unforgiving, because he has a double-mindedness about God. His double-mindedness will reflect in his sermons. The double-mindedness of a preacher will reflect in his songs, in his interactions. The songs he sings will show that he's double-minded about God. The things he preaches God will get you. That preacher has a double mind. It will show in the message. It will show in the songs. It will show in the interactions. And James says, Let no man say, When he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. And a man that thinks like that is unstable. His mindset is unstable. And because he's unstable, God is good, God is bad. I'm not sure, I am sure. He gives, he takes. He kills, he makes a life. The man is unstable. He said, let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. He calls God the father of light. Every good and every perfect gift coming from above, it cometh from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. And the people that God gave birth to, He gave birth to the lights. And we are the lights. We are the lights of the world, born of God. Oh, we walk in the light, even as He is in the light. Oh, house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light. For he that walketh in the light has no occasion of stumbling. Hallelujah. A man that is double-minded will be singing songs like, Lion and the Lamb. Lion and the Lamb. <laughs> lion and the Lamb. Our God is Lion and the Lamb. Destructive and safe. No, he's not a lion and lamb. He's a lamb. <laughs> Jesus is the lamb of God. He's not a lion at all. In the book of Revelation, that guy that said Jesus was a lion is a Jewish guy that is not well taught. And that's the only place in the book of Revelation you will see the word lion used for, for, for God. God is not a lion. Jesus is the lamb. The lamb of God. That was slain. He's the lamb. He has only one character. He's not lion and lamb. He is lamb. His character is consistent. We overcome evil with God, with good. Don't be double-minded about the character of God. Don't be triple-minded about the all. Don't even be many-sided-minded about God's character. God has only one character. He's good. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Hallelujah. Are you excited this evening about the word? Well, get on your feet. Let's celebrate the word. Glory! Amen. Lift your right hands. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl under the sound of my voice. 
that this truth will resonate in our understanding and resonate in our minds. Bringing us to a place of total persuasion, a place of total conviction by the word on the single character of our father. Thank you, Father. I declare that veils full of clarity comes, fear goes, mindsets are shifting, your people are unlearning to relearn, and the revelation of Jesus grows big in your heart until nothing else matters. And we take authority over infirmity and disease. We take in authority over every satanic device and strategy. Hey, Satan, we rebuke you now. You get your hands off our viewers tonight. We come against sickness, disease, infirmity. Lose your holes in the name of Jesus. Body, be healed. Body, be healed in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for victory by your word. Thank you for victory by your word. Your people strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. Now receive strength in your inner man. Receive the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Build up a spiritual house. Receive revelation, knowledge like never before. Veils fall off and receive revelation. Receive revelation knowledge in the name of Jesus. Father, we rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. We rejoice. And we give you praise for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. Amen. Glory to God. Woo! Listen carefully. The kind of things we are dealing with in the course of this series requires absolute concentration of attention. The reason is because it's not enough for you to know that God does not kill. You must be able to have this scriptures well understood so that when you are defending God's character, you're not making noise. You are able to do exegesis. You are able to come with enough scriptures. You're able to reason intelligently. Intelligently from the scriptures. It's not because I'm jobless that I come to you with all of these submissions. I could just stand here and say, hey, you know, God is good. God is light. No darkness in God. That's it. Whether you like it or not, that's it. No. No. That is poor ministry. You must be able to take the word and go precept upon precept, line upon line, and open the scriptures and do exegesis. Interpret the terms. Explain the concepts with enough overwhelming evidence so you can convince the gainsayer. Preaching is not fault finding. Preaching is not annoying people. Preaching is not provoking people or putting them off or calling their bluff. Preaching is intelligent reasoning within the confine of the scriptures. And by the scriptures, bringing a gainsayer to a place of understanding. Friends, it's a lot of work. You can't afford to hear the kind of things we are teaching with a distracted attention. You need concentrated focus. You need to make notes. You need to think through it as we are teaching it. You need to think through it. We're not whiling away time. We are building an army all over the world that will face this huge world that is confused. 
with facts of the gospel that cannot be debated. Clear exegesis. So friends, take this very serious. Come with your note and your pen to the meetings. I'm back again tomorrow. And we're going to get into more technicalities in defending the single identity of God. Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. GMT plus one. And then Sunday morning, first and second service. I'm not sure I will finish the series by Sunday. And then I will tell you what the next plan is until I finish the series. It's so much. There's so much to learn. But I'm excited because it's an opportunity to labor in word over you and bring the truth of God's word. Once again, we celebrate and appreciate those of you who keep honoring the labor of God's word in this ministry through your offerings, through your givings, and through your partnership. And we receive by faith your offerings tonight. We receive by faith your partnership tonight. And we receive by faith your givings tonight, steered up by the Holy Ghost, so together we can get this gospel out to the people for whom Jesus died. And I decree that your finances are blessed. I decree that the work of your hands are blessed. And even within this lockdown, I declare that supernaturally, God's favor is at work on your behalf. I declare that you have concepts, you have ideas, you have insights, and you have a supernatural positioning and a preparation for the post-corona world. Great grace is upon every one of you. We love you and we speak the blessing over you today. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now listen to me. I'm here tomorrow at 5 p.m. GMT plus one. Help me share the video of tonight. Create watch parties and get more people to hear this word. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. I'm back. Saturday, 10 a.m. I'm back. Sunday morning, 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. I'm still on. But tomorrow morning, from tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., the series we're beginning because today was the end of the series on the healing ministry of Jesus. So I have decided to go back again Every morning, 10 a.m. through the series on Ted, season 1 and 2. The reason is because I want you to follow the teachings again and go over your notes in the mornings at 10 a.m. in preparation for Ted, season 3, which comes up somewhere at the end of April. We are in this. Churches may be closed down, but the church is still marching on. And we are still committed to equipping and preparing you for the work ahead of us. There's a lot of work. And we will flood the blue marble planet with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. We love you guys. Our campuses, we live in the able hands of our coordinators. And all the house churches within the city, we live in the able hands of your pastors and coordinators. And everybody else, we love you. Enjoy the rest of your day. To we'll catch up with you again tomorrow. Be blessed. Amen. Glory to God.
vez.